JPK, it is time to talk jazz basketball with Ben Anderson. You hear him on the jazz radio broadcasts, pregame, halftime, and postgame. He joins us now on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Ben, good morning. Good morning, guys. Ben, 12 and 1, 17 and 2. 18-4 and four since Joe Ingles went into the starting lineup to stay. Is there anything to worry about the Jazz right now, or should Jazz fans just sit back and let the good times roll? Yeah, I think they're going to keep seeing, I mean, maybe not 30-point victories over playoff teams, but they're just going to see a lot of wins. There's just not a lot of teams right now that are clicking the same way the Jazz are. And, yeah, I say kick your feet up and try and enjoy the next 40 games as you get ready for the playoffs and then hope they can make a magical run on top of it. But... This is by far the best regular season basketball I've seen the Jazz play in a very long time. Yeah, no question about that, Ben. Handicap us, handicap for us the competition that they will face in the postseason. What do you think? Uh, it, it, I mean, they could get up to the two seed, and then of course you're, you know, it, it depends on on some of the rest of the seeding and which side of the bracket you end up on. But I mean, the first round that the Jazz are playing like this might be relatively easy. You know, if the Jazz are playing at this level, and I know they lost to the Thunder in uh, early December and it didn't look great, but if you play the Thunder and you're playing this well, that I just don't think they have the upside. I don't think the, the uh, Oklahoma City has the ability to play at the level the Jazz are playing at right now, even when they get into the playoffs and slow the game down. So you might be able to get a, a relatively easy first-round victory, and I know that's putting the cart before the horse, but... You know, then you're hoping for some favorable matchups. You're hoping that you end up on the side of the bracket that has Denver and has Dallas, and, and you can avoid L.A., probably Houston, and I should say both L.A. teams on, on the other side of the bracket. And I mean, I think that's, that's the Jazz' best path to coming out of the West, but th- that happens. You know, uh, Portland almost did it last year, and they ran into the Warriors, and that was a buzzsaw, but there isn't a Warriors team this year unless you're talking about the Milwaukee Bucks, and even then, if the Jazz were to get into that conversation, that means they made the finals, and the Jazz have matched up well with the Bucks this year. So, when I look at some of the other teams that might the Jazz might see in the first round, I know, and uh, and Yach has expressed this on multiple occasions. Uh, I don't want to see Houston. I got hardened PTSD, but. The Jazz' problem with the Rockets was they could get open shots and they couldn't make them. It was so frustrating. And this team is built so differently than the team, the teams that lost to the Rockets. Why, uh, why worry about that? Yeah, I mean, the only reason would be James Harden. But if you have PTSD about James Harden, Russell Westbrook should have PTSD about the Utah Jazz because of what they were able to do to him in that first-round series a couple of years ago where they escaped and and the Jazz would take advantage of that again. I mean, Russ is not a good playoff player. He's never been a particularly great playoff player. I know they made one run to the finals, but he's had a lot of first-round exits. He's, he's lost a lot of upset series. Uh, certainly their loss with Paul George last year to the, the Portland Trailblazers was uh, another reflection of some of the issues he has in the postseason when every possession matters. And he just he plays a little loose. He plays a little wild. And, and it's not quite playoff basketball. So, that's your pathway to beating them. And, and I mean, the, the Jazz are better than the Houston Rockets this year. I mean, in record, in every statistical category, net rating, whatever you want to look at, the Jazz really are a better team than the Houston Rockets, assuming they can't just flip a switch and, and turn into a team that can make the finals. But, you know, they didn't make the finals last year when they were playing the Warriors, who they were designed to beat, and then the Warriors lost Kevin Durant, who was their best player. 
the Rockets still couldn't get past them, and they made these changes, and the changes don't seem to be working. How long you keep Conley coming off the bench? I mean, I guess if he's going to play like last night, you could keep him there forever, but I don't think that's the case. I bet you see it two more games, and then I think the Jazz will start trying to work him back because there's probably no reason to do it against the Warriors unless you want to say, hey, that's not a very good basketball team, and let's see if he can play 30 in that sense and, and feel comfortable. But after the game last night, Mike said that he, he was so comfortable that he had been wanting to come back and the Jazz hadn't been letting him come back. And I, and I believe that. I, I'm sure five games ago he probably felt like he would be ready to go or before that road trip he traveled on, he'd be ready to go. But the Jazz held him out. And, and there's no reason with how well the team's playing right now to push anything, I don't think. So let that hamstring continue to come back. Let him get his wind back. Make sure he's not forcing anything else. Uh, and, and give him a few more games before he gets cranked up to 30 minutes. You know, I, I don't think they, they can sustain winning 12 out of 13. And as long as they're doing this, why not just stay with the lineup that's crushing it? There's got to be a rocky spot out there somewhere. I mean, the Lakers are the best record in the West, and they lost four games in a row. So I, I was wondering about just keeping it the way it is until there's a rocky spot and then making the move now, then, making the move then as part of getting back on track. I do think one of the advantages Quinn Snyder's working with right now is everybody seems satisfied. Now, I wouldn't say everyone's happy. I'm sure Emmanuel Moutier is mad that he's losing his minutes, and that's not inside information. Just people want to play. Guys want to be on the floor, and it's frustrating when you've been playing and having the best season of your career like Emmanuel Moutier has and then finding yourself out of the rotation because Mike Conley's rehabbing. So I'm sure not everyone's thrilled with the current rotation, but everyone likes winning, and certainly everyone likes winning the way the Jazz are right now. And if you you heard the post-game comments last night, they're goofing around in the locker room and everyone's having fun and Donovan Mitchell and, and uh, Royce O'Neal did their post-game interview together. I, I do think there's a sense of camaraderie in this group right now because they're playing so well that probably would allow Quinn to push that a little bit more than you could in most locker rooms at this point. Is Bradley good enough as a backup or do they need to make a move? He's been playing so confident lately that it, it's kind of interesting and, and he's a funny guy. He, he's very shy. He's very modest and it would make sense that he just wants to you know, reward the Jazz for picking him and wants to do everything right and thinks the game really hard and, and made it more difficult on himself. And, and then as he has kind of just said, hey, I'm big, I'm pretty physically gifted. I mean, I'm not, he's not a freak athlete, but he's got really good hands. He rolls pretty well to the rim. He can run the floor. He's not a great, you know, he's not a great rim-to-rim guy, but he, he can absolutely kind of stay in his lane and, and run a few pick-and-rolls and set some screens and roll the hoop from there. If he can do that, he can probably continue to improve and hopefully over the next 40 games get the experience where he's not going to cost you a playoff series. But that's a gamble, uh, and it's a gamble at a spot where you could probably find a reserve who you trust come the playoff time. And, and I think that's going to be one of the interesting conversations for the Jazz over the next two and a half weeks now is just, do you trust Tony Bradley enough to keep him in that spot? And then do you trust that if, if you had to go to Ed Davis, you could play him? Or do you find somebody to back up Tony Bradley, worst case scenario, and you, you're, you're okay with him being your number two guy? Jazz are going to play Dallas. I'm overlooking the Warrior game. The Jazz are going to play Dallas on Saturday. What is the we had, we get to see Doncic here? What is the key to beating them? What do the Jazz have to do? I mean, I think you've seen some of what the Jazz approach has been in some of these games that have stars. And I, I mean, I'm sure Quinn Snyder is not saying, "All right, let's play you know Matador defense against Brandon Ingram 
and Tyree Irving, and that'll be good enough for us. Let's stop everyone else. You still want to stop their best players, and you game plan for them. But, you know, against the Nets, Kyrie Irving was great and, and had 30 points, and nobody else did anything. And then uh, Brandon Ingram had 49 points, and while there were some other good players on the floor, certainly the Jazz put themselves in a spot to win that game because you didn't see enormous performances from other players, and I know they were shorthanded. But the, the Nets did nobody else other than Kyrie was able to do anything. So th- there may be some sense that Luke is going to get his triple-double. He's going to get 28 points, and he's one of the best young players in the league. But if you can keep uh, Seth Curry from going off, if you can keep DeLon Wright from having 15 points out of nowhere, if you can slow down the other guys, and that, that's going to be the Mavericks I think I'm doing in the playoffs right now with a lot of young guys who've never had a lot of playoff success, even as good as Luka Doncic is, I think that will be the approach. And, and the Jazz should be well-equipped for that. They don't necessarily have a defender who's going to be wonderful in front of Luka Doncic. I mean, I'm sure Royce draws that uh, draws that role again, and maybe that's actually why you keep Mike Conley coming off the bench for two more games, just so you can favor that matchup for 35 minutes. But uh, otherwise, I don't think they have the pieces around Luka Doncic to win games against the best teams in the NBA unless he goes berserk, and I think it's going to keep him from winning a playoff series. Explain what you were saying about how it was a good signing of O'Neal in the short term, but in a couple of years you're going to need him to be way better because of how it fits in financially with what's due for Gobert and Mitchell. Yeah, it's kind of funny. The way we look at salaries in the NBA, we probably look at them a little bit wrong, where we look at the raw number and we say, oh, you could never pay this guy $10 million dollars. Because, you know, I grew up and Michael Jordan made $8 million. So we just kind of get trapped in that, that thinking. When really we need to look at Royce O'Neal and say, well, he makes probably 8% of the salary cap. And for a guy who plays, you know, 12% of your total game minutes, and it's actually pretty good, that number adds up. He, he gets paid a smaller percentage than the percentage of minutes he plays. That, that's a good value if you're a basketball team. So right now, that's awesome. And it's still, I think, going to be a good deal in four years when apparently there's some options attached to it, but I would imagine as long as he's playing okay, the Jazz would pick it up. But it gets different right now where you have you know, 12 guys under roster next season, or I should say under contract next season, or 11 guys, and you're happy to have him. Four years from now, the guys you have under contract, assuming you re-sign Rudy Gobert to a max contract and Donovan Mitchell to a max contract, Boyan Bogdanovich will still be under contract and Joe Ingles will be under contract. Now, the other guy, the fifth guy, is going to be Royce O'Neal. Well, you've only got five guys under contract, and you owe them north of $116 million. And the salary cap will probably be around $120 million, $125 million. You probably re-signed Jordan Clarkson this offseason, but your salary cap is full with six players, or five players, six if you sign Jordan Clarkson this offseason. That means if you're going to be one of those six guys, you have to be one of the best six guys on the Jazz roster. And you could probably make the argument that Royce O'Neal is. I'm sure some, you know, Quinn Snyder would probably make that argument. But right now, Conley's better. Donovan Mitchell's better. Joe Ingles is better. Rudy Gobert is better. Boyan Bogdanovich is better. And I, is Jordan Clarkson better? He might be. So I'm not sure Royce O'Neal, despite the fact that he's guaranteed to be one of your six guys, is going to be one of your best six guys in a couple of years. And that, that changes the way finances look. And, and then your game needs to improve because the Jazz probably aren't going to be able to afford a, a, afford a, 30, million, a 30 million dollar point guard in five years. There's just there's going to be issues for the Jazz like that, which means Royce O'Neal has to out earn his value. Now he's done it at a million and a half dollars. Can he do it at nine million? That's that's a question the Jazz need. 
him to answer, and the answer needs to be yes. And then the other thing that has to happen built into all of this is they have to keep developing inexpensive players. Because if you look at this team this year, right now, Donovan Mitchell on his rookie contract, uh, Niang and O'Neal, that's at least three guys contributing quite a bit. And none of them are getting NBA the full NBA value right now. They're all going to get it one day if they keep this up. But not now. No, and I think that's probably what the Rajon Tucker signing was. And and maybe even insurance for the Jazz if they didn't think Royce O'Neal was going to resign or they were going to go into the offseason. And they hoped that Rajon Tucker, because he's so good athletically, that, hey, he'd be able to play some defense and then shoot the three. Now, his defensive rating in the NBA has been awful, and he hasn't shot the three at all. So the Jazz probably lost a little bit of comfort with that, that, hey, we don't just have another Royce O'Neal waiting in the wings. So let's get this Royce deal done. Let's get it done before he even goes to free agency so we can get a little bit of a discount, and I think the Jazz did. But, yeah, they're going to absolutely need to find the next guy who makes a million and a half dollars on a three-year contract where the final two years are not guaranteed, and they're going to have to turn that guy into an NBA player. And he might be on the team. It might be Mia Yoni. It might be Jarrell Brantley. It might be uh, Justin Wright Foreman. Some of these guys that they have, Rajon Tucker, who we just mentioned, it, it might be one of those guys. But at this point in their career, they're not as good as Ray, uh, as, uh, as Royce O'Neal was his first year. Granted, he was 23, and a lot of those guys are 21 and 22. So going forward, is it nothing but garbage minutes now for Moutier? No, I, I think when Emmanuel or, or when uh, Mike Conley gets moved back into the starting lineup, I still think you probably see Emmanuel Moutier get back into the rotation as your true backup point guard. Now, he's probably only playing 15 minutes a game, uh, which makes sense because I think you like Donovan Mitchell playing a few minutes of point guard, or you like having minutes where Emmanuel Moutier is not on the floor, but Jordan Clarkson is, and maybe he's playing with Royce O'Neal if Royce O'Neal gets moved back to the bench. And that will just cut a couple of Emmanuel Moutier's minutes. But Mike Conley's 32. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. He's actually kind of got a string of injuries over his career. You want to rest up Donovan Mitchell, who had to pick up some 35-minute stretches uh, over five and six games when the Jazz weren't playing well and they were trying to limit exposure to the bench. I think if you can get Moutier back and have him eat 15 minutes a game, and he's not going to lose you games. In fact, you've been playing great over the last 20 games this season because uh, in part of, of what Emmanuel Moutier has been able to do really since Christmas and when he's joined Jordan Clarkson. I think there's value to having him in the lineup just to preserve energy, just to limit risk injury uh, to the backcourt. Because the backcourt is going to be what wins the Jazz uh, you know, a, a playoff series or two or hopefully you know, three and four if you're a Jazz fan. Rudy Gobert is going to be Rudy Gobert. He's always going to have that impact on the game. You need enormous performances and dominant performances from the Jazz backcourt. Donovan, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson are going to have to win games for the Jazz. And, and having them healthy come playoff time, where Emmanuel Moutier might not be in the rotation, is key. But you've got to get him there, and Emmanuel Moutier can help carry him. Ben Anderson joining us here. Utah Jazz radio studio analyst. You hear him on the pre, half, and post game. So if the Jazz are going to do anything going forward, there's one thing you want them to uh, tinker with, to improve, to get better at. Man, it's hard to see right now. They're 17-2. and two. But what is one thing? It would be nice to see the Jazz cut down on their turnovers. Uh, I mean, even last night they had, what, 21 turnovers? And that's, that's concerning, especially when you get to a playoff game, as we've talked about, where possessions matter more. The intensity on every possession is up, and, and teams will try and find ways to abuse that. And the Jazz have some weird turnover habits that aren't just, hey, we got sloppy with the ball and we threw a bad pass. And certainly you see that. But, I mean, Boyan Bogdanovich last night had five turnovers. 
And he has a couple. He has those games relatively often where he just over dribbles and, and makes some weird mistakes and, and dribbles high. And, and those are things you need to cut down on because you can't have 21 turnovers in a playoff game where another team is going to turn the ball over 10 times because the Jazz are not a team that turns you over. They just want to let you kind of come in and, and miss a shot to Rudy Gobert and get the ball back. But if they're scoring points off of those turnovers, which opposing teams will and good teams will, especially good teams that are bigger than the Jazz and more athletic than the Jazz when we get to the postseason, and that's most teams in the West, turnovers could become a real issue. So that's something you would like to see the Jazz bring down to 11 a game, 10 a game, have it hover there over the last 40 games and make sure it's not going to be a major issue in the postseason. So when they do have only 10 or 11, make sure you ask Quinn Snyder about it, okay? Yeah, he, he does He does want a, a pat on the back, I guess, when, <laughs> when the Jazz don't turn the ball over. And, you know, he's not telling his team to turn the ball over. He's not telling them to dribble high or, or be loose with the ball. But, yeah, the turnover issue because the Jazz are one of the worst in the NBA certainly does seem to be a sore spot in the locker room. Ben, as always, we appreciate a few minutes, and we look forward to hearing you on the uh, Jazz Pre-Half and Post. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Ben Anderson, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I guess the one thing to watch for when Conley goes back into the starting lineup, whenever that is, is how does that impact Joe's role? Because Joe's role right now seems to fit like a glove. He's crushing it. It's what he needs. It's what the team needs. He's doing it at a high level, and taking the ball out of his hands seems like a bad idea. I agree 100% uh, that's where they have to figure that out. And I have to rely on, I haven't followed Conley's career to the level that obviously we do this year, but that's where you have to hope that he has the professionalism to understand the situation. Uh, We don't need you to take over. We need you to do what you did against Indiana. Play within yourself. You got an open shot, take it. And you're not the guy anymore. The guy is Mitchell. Right? This is Mitchell's team offensively, Gobert's team defensively, and to a large degree offensively in terms of facilitation. Is facilitation a word? It is now. That is Joe Ingles. Because more often than not, he leads the team in assists. With six, seven, eight, nine. He's good with the ball. He's yeah. hard to match up with. And if you do something funky, the team has enough other guys who can handle the ball that he can just move to the open guy and they can make it happen. But if you just let him play one-on-one with somebody, most guys aren't big enough, they aren't strong enough, or they aren't quick enough, and he'll get them into pick and roll and make the right decision to make you pay. So, I'm interested to see how Conley accepts his role and how he can thrive in that role. There's no question that he can thrive in it, but he has to be willing to accept it, and I have no indication to think that he wouldn't. In a weird way, you wonder if that's one of the hidden benefits of the injury, that they played well when he was out, and it's the human nature thing, and you love the psychology of all of this, You know, people putting pressure on themselves and all that. He's making a ton of money, and when you're making a lot of money in the NBA, you're supposed to, make, you're supposed to have great stats, but what you're really supposed to do is make sure your team wins. And being out and watching them win, it's easy for him, I think, to analyze, look at the game and see what you were just talking about. Hey, if I go in and hit open shots and move the ball and run the offense, we're going to win. We're, we're going to win. This is a good team. And I believe at 32 of guys years play. of age, that's exactly what he right. wants. And so when he comes in, you don't have to put any pressure on yourself. I don't have to play the best ball of my career. I don't have to be all of that. It's just, just go out and be you 
and you're going to win. And that's where I think that he will thrive because of the fact that he understands that if he was 28, 27, 26, it might be another story. But at 32, he's obviously on the back end. And so your statistics may be modest compared to what they've been, but your impact on winning will have never been higher. And there's a lot of satisfaction in that. I would think so, but I'm looking at it from an old man's perspective at a team that understands the purpose of pro sports is to win. But I, I just my instinct tells me that's exactly what he'll feel too. Because he, if he comes in here, it seems like he wants to be loved. And because he's spoken of the crowd reaction multiple times. And Quinn Snyder spoke about it. Locke put out a quote about that in his pregame interview about how, you know, your fans and your jazz fans. And so the love for Conley, I think that's important to him. So he wants to be accepted. And the way to be accepted is to help the team win. And that's the ultimate acceptance. And you'll go down, even though your time here in Utah will be relatively short compared to your time in Memphis, you could go down as somebody who will always be remembered here, depending on how much you win. Because winning is what it's all about. Antoine Carr will always be revered here because he didn't necessarily have his best statistical years here. In fact, he didn't. Obviously, I think they were in Sacramento. But he won at a very, very high level here. And he made big plays, hit big shots, big free throws. And he was a guy people yeah. rallied around, and the fans loved him. Yep. Woof, woof, woof. Yeah, every time he got, he got off the bench and ran to the score table. he got off the bench and ran to the table, the place went nuts. The guy, played it, which the guy actually, played it perfectly. Which actually, Conley getting off the bench, going to the scorer's table. You know, watching on TV, you don't know, hear it, but you don't see it. But you hear the crowd, and then a second or two later, there's Bowler or Harper or whoever telling you, yeah, Conley's getting ready to check in. You're like, well, that's Yeah, I think that'll wear off a little bit. Because I don't think he's going to be demonstrative. It doesn't seem to be his style. And certainly his first game back, and even his second game back, because it was a new crowd. Mm -hmm. But your 10th game back when you're coming in at whatever point in the first quarter, it's like, oh, sweet, Conley's coming in. But I don't think you're going to get this warm applause. You'll get the warm applause if you make shots and help the team win. And ultimately, that's what it's about. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz beat the Pacers by 30, 118-88. Donovan Mitchell, game-high 25 points. Rudy Gobert, 20 points and 14 boards. Jazz are off today. They're in San Francisco tomorrow to face the Warriors, 8 o'clock on AT&T Sportsnet. Jazz pick up a game in the standings on the Lakers who get blown out in Boston, 139-107. Lakers still with a four-game lead in the Western Conference. Jazz and the Nuggets also picking up a win. Jazz and Nuggets tied with the Clippers for second in the West. 30 wins, 13 losses. The Nuggets taking down Minnesota, 107-100. to Clippers and Mavericks tonight, 6.30 on NBA TV. 9 o'clock on ESPNU. It's Utah State and Air Force in Logan. You can listen to that game right here on The Zone beginning at 8.30 with the pregame show with Scotty G on the call. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Homie. Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. Big Show show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. You ready? You guys ready? 
Howard Beck with us from Bleacher Report. I've never seen Rudy Gobert play better. Donovan Mitchell, spectacular. Can both of these guys end up on the All-Star team? I think they both can. I'm not sure if they both will. The key for both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is what are the coaches going to do when they vote on the reserves? And when the coaches look up at the standings and they see the Jazz hovering in that top four, it makes an impression. It's harder to overlook their two stars if they're high in the standings. So we'll see if this is the breakthrough year because there is a lot of competition. It is a tough exercise. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Donovan now clapping and talking at Holiday. Holiday comes off a Sabonis pick. Pull up jumper, no good. Rebound Rudy. Donovan wants it. Donovan left side. Picked up by Holiday. Donovan powers. Euro steps. Floats. Scores. I will keep putting it on you all night. The Jazz by 22. 93-71. Donovan Mitchell. Ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls. Kids of all ages. The Jazz by double digits again. They won 12 of the last 13, and 9 of those 12 have been by 10 points or more. Another beating. We discussed early in the show the Pacers coming in back-to-back. How much of this is the Jazz are good? How much the Pacers back-to-back? I think the fact the Jazz were up by 17 late in the second quarter, midway through the second quarter, somewhere in there, four or five minutes left, points out the fact that they were crushing Indiana before Indiana was fatigued. And certainly at the end of a back-to-back at elevation, you're gassed. But the Jazz got right after him from the get-go. From the opening tip, it was on. So I think it points more to the Jazz are good than Indiana was fatigued, which by the end they were. The fourth quarter was their worst quarter. But the game was over long before that. It was. I cannot argue. That is astute right there. Astute. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are astute. All right, your favorite jazz point that you made today. We talked about the jazz virtually the entire show. For the 9 o'clock slackers, the one piece of genius information you should take away. That they're awesome, and they've got a really good chance to go far in the postseason. And you only give them a 5% chance, apparently, to beat the Clippers because some website said it. But that's that's poo-poo. Well, that's a couple of mistakes all into one there. First off, the website said it, not me. And second I off, said, they didn't you, give them a 5%. You got 5%. it from a website. I, I didn't say I bought into it. I told you what 538 said. I said you got it from a website. That Roll the tape. That's exactly what I said. I said you and got it from a website. that's not what the website said. The website said they had a 5% chance of going to the NBA Finals. Which means they got a 5% chance of beating the Clippers. That's not how math works, PK. They might not even play the Clippers. They might beat the Clippers and lose to somebody else. Right. It's not purely about the Clippers series. But the Clippers and the Lakers are the two teams that are favored. Yes, they are. 538 gives the Lakers a 40% chance and the Clippers a 32% chance. Which I don't really have a problem with that, but when they gave the Rockets a 15% chance, I rolled my eyes. Oh, not okay. So that. some stuff you agree with, so they're right, and other stuff they don't, so they're wrong. Yes. That's so you. <laughs> There's... They have multiple takes. It does, it's not an all-or-nothing deal. At best, there should be a 10% difference between the Clippers and the Jazz. At best. And you agree with that dumb website that says there's a substantial difference. At best, there should be a 10% leeway. At best. Do you think the Lakers are 50-50 to make the NBA Finals? I was a little surprised the Lakers were at 40 in that. I would put them as the favorite at probably about, if I'm going to forecast the field, 
probably at 40. They would have the best chance. But that is subject to change. We're only halfway through. We still got to so, get to the trade deadline, and then we got to see if anybody has any major injuries. All sorts of stuff could right. change. Or they may just suck. Because they've been beating up on a bunch of crappy teams. But they're the Lakers, so they get the benefit of the doubt. The Jazz don't. Well, they've just been beating. Well, who the Lakers have beaten? They beat Houston in Houston's worst stretch of its season. Yes. But they didn't have AD, and wasn't the game in Houston? They didn't have AD. My father, when I went to college, you know what he told me? Yeah, I do. Don't get VD. One letter cued that up. And I didn't. I'm <laughs> proud to say. That's weird. I escaped college without VD and with a diploma. I'm pretty proud of myself. That's a win. Plus, I paid for every freaking cent. Me. These hands. These eyes. This heart. Sing it. This heart? Don't know it. Ah, uh, when you said these eyes. Lakers split with Denver. Beat the Jazz a couple times. Maybe the Clippers are their kryptonite, though. Clippers got him twice. Is Kryptonite an actual thing, or are you just stealing from Superman? Superman! I don't think Kryptonite's an actual thing. Well, but then why bring it up? Because people know the Superman story, PK. But if it's not an actual thing, then it doesn't matter. It illustrates a point. Ooh, illustration of points now. Yeah! Lottie freaking dog. Hey, let's give the 9 o'clock people something new, something you said off the air. <coughs> Devils are going to win the South? No. Yes. Pac-12 basketball. You're having, you're having a hard time rallying around it. Usually you do. Usually you can watch yourself a lot of Pac-12 basketball, but you're trying to watch it these days, it's hard to get fired up. And I think you, you love to, you love to say you're the man of the people. I think on this point you are absolutely a man of the people. I think the biggest factor, though, is that locally, and not just the Pac-12, but I just think locally the college basketball season is not having the oomph. We're used to having multiple good teams here. And we might have one at BYU. We'll have to see. They're going on the road. We'll see how they handle it. They're 1-4 and four on the road this year. Haven't played a lot of road games. And, and not having Yoli Childs at St. Mary's and at Gonzaga, you kind of know how two of those games are going to go. So that's not much of a sample size. But if they have a good week here on the road, then great. If they don't, then maybe we don't have any good teams here. Maybe we don't have any NCAA tournament teams. Well, for me, it's just trying to build something here. And what's being built? Arizona's building absolutely nothing. And they've been the benchmark. They've been the best program for years now. But what are they building? Nothing. Nothing. they got a lot of one-and-dones. They're already recruiting to yeah. openly. The coach talks about replacing the guys they've got, even though the guys they've got are freshmen. Yeah. But we have a little inside knowledge because we know Pace Mannion, and we've had him on the air, and that's Nico's plan. One and done. And he's not alone. Oh, it has been for years. And as it should be. Go make money, man. Because the more you stay in college, the more they're going to dissect your game and the more you're going to drop. Saw that with Matt Leinert a few years back in football. And then two, three years later, he's Zippo. He's out of the league. You know, So cash in. At least if he would have come out his junior year, he'd have more money in the bank. Uh, so with that in mind... Arizona's building it precisely nothing. They may do something this year, but probably not. So what 
what are we doing? And and Washington has some young guys that uh, are all that, but they're going to leave too. So what are they building? And I guess you got to hope for the Utes to get better. I mean, that's it over time. But you're getting beat by 30 just about every week. And he, they get, the, the one dude writes, keeps hammering on how young they are. I got it. They're young. They're young. But the last three games, there's been no silver lining. Yeah. At least uh, Oregon week. Yeah, they beat Oregon State and they played Oregon you know, right down to a couple possessions at the end of the game. So you can live with that. But the last three have stung. Yeah. Your big Kentucky win got nothing off Gone. of it. No, that was, turns out that was the beginning of the end. Lost five of six since that game. Yeah. I think they need to just get rid of this uh, thing where they got to play a year. Well, they're going to, but not for a while. Well, why not now? What, what, what are we Because for? NBA teams apparently complain because NBA teams trade away draft picks. And whenever they do this, it's going to have the effect of being a double draft because you're going to get all the one-and-done guys, but you're also going to get all the high school seniors. They're kind of like, hey, we traded these. You can't so change what? the rules now. Why not? Well, apparently enough teams have <laughs> traded picks, so they threw up a stink, and the commissioner and all the league agreed, and so that's the plan. So they pushed it out to, what, two or three years down the road. So it's like now, if you deal that pick now, then you knew it was coming, and you just decided it wasn't valuable. I think the colleges should stay away from the one-and-dones. Let them go play. The only reason why, it's, it's a total usage thing. I'm using you, you're using me. So let them all go play in uh, Australia or wherever? Or, go play pro ball for a year. Yeah. The G League, whatever it might be. Because the only reason why, I mean, you're going to choose Arizona because you can walk around and puff your chest out and be big man on campus. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 72 degrees in January. Well, Yeah, I know, but that's plenty of places. They're getting Kentucky in Lexington. Kentucky is not 72, and they do get your one and done. You're right. So no one chooses school on weather. That was another dumb herd take. They're all going. No, they're not. They don't choose because of what. Nobody chooses anything because of weather when you're 18 years old. You're choosing because you win and you can be well, big Well, you're man. telling us football players are choosing against Arizona State because of the weather because they've lived in that heat all their life. That's the opposite. right? They're not choosing. Leaving the bad weather. Right. That's, but that's not choosing for weather. That's choosing against weather. You're right. <laughs> I agree with you. You're right. You're only further <laughs> still, amplifying my still point. Still choosing weather. But not in the way not the that the theory way you're is right. meant. So, plus they haven't won. If they win, maybe they can stay home. But you know, got to win at a high level. We'll see. Although they just offered, I don't know if you know this, man. Probably not. Tell me. They just offered Jaden Smith. How old is Jaden? Oh, Jalen Smith. Excuse me. How old is he? Uh, let's see. He's a junior. It says right here. And he's all that? I have no idea. Just saw it on Twitter. <laughs> I've been offered by ASU. Oh, now they got uh, this one dude they've offered, class of 2023. That makes him a freshman. Yeah. That's what I thought you were getting at. That's what I anticipated. Jalen Smith is Sun Devils offered 2021 Mission Hills, California athlete. So that is next year, obviously. But 2023, he's a freshman. Yep. Got to get in front of it. And he's from Kansas. Not your recruiting hotbed, but. No, we recruit the world now. That a kid. We got Herm. (laughs) 
<laughs> see Herm walking on the field there in the 49ers game with the Sun Devil gear because he coached John Lynch when they won the Super Bowl down there in Got to advertise your NFL ties. Because he's a dungy guy, uh, Herm is, obviously. So, yeah, he's bringing up that. Uh, oh, man, this freshman dude, he must be a hell of a player because in October, I just clicked on his Twitter, he was offered by Michigan. So it's a freshman. Sweet. That's awesome. And how come they don't have one and dones? And how come the rules, the, the three big sports, they all have different rules. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Different sports, different demands. I don't think people really complain about the football rules because I think there's widespread acknowledgement that 99.9% of the people just aren't physically ready to... And 99, maybe not 99, but a high percentage of the kids who give up their college eligibility never sniff the NBA, but we don't care about them? Nope. <laughs> they're not ready. I think there's just been enough hits that people are like... Hayward hey. wasn't ready. He was a twig. He was. And he had two years of college. Now, I realize it's not as physically demanding, but that's not for them. You don't get to decide what I want to do. No, it turns out that veterans get to negotiate away your rights without you having any say. Because it's part of collective bargaining. And the veteran players are like, yeah, what do we care if some kid at 16 can go at 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever. Okay, then why are they changing it for basketball if the veterans don't want it? Because the same little, thing that you just su- said. I'm a little surprised they are. Are you? Yes. Oh, because very few things surprise you. Well, this one does. <laughs> and what's your theory, theory boy? Don't have one yet. Well, you should create one. Well, we're late to break. Oh, convenient. Well, we're supposed to go at 45, and look at it, it's 47. So now 30. you want to go to break. Sure. <laughs> we haven't even talked about the, uh, the baseball rules yet. Sure. Multi-structured and multi-layered as they are, we don't really have time They're as chaotic as could possibly be. Well, you can go straight out of high school or straight out straight of junior of college, but not straight out of college. Once you go to college, you're locked in for three years. But yet, only if you're an American are you subject to the draft. Because then you got your whole international rules, and that's a whole other bucket of fish. <laughs> what did now, they come up with all these crazy uh, rules? I have no idea. And now we're three minutes late to break, and Yak is getting... And speaking I'm of baseball... Nutsy. there, yeah. Two things. Aaron Otto says the Rockies re- disrespect him. Oh, man, they might as well just close up shop. <laughs> He's their best guy, and if he wants out, that's yep. bad news. And secondly, if Jeter doesn't get 95% of the votes today for the Hall of Fame, that's an absolute joke. DJ and PK, that's a lot of what we've been talking about, and we broke a little bit of new ground for you 9 o'clock listeners, too, because you're special to us. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Is this Seals and Crofts? No. <laughs> Seals and Crofts. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> Ice Cube, but you know. <laughs> is that Seals and Crofts? Is that England Dan and John Ford Coley? <laughs> yeah, that's who it was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's get to the Carpenters and get it over with. All right. Jay and the Americas? 
Hey, I channeled you during the game. Remember when you were uh, you were talking about why do people keep driving at Rudy Gobert? Why do fools fall in love? Exactly. <laughs> Watching the Pacers last night, a couple of guys decided it was a good idea to take Rudy on, and so they promptly got swatted at the rim. It's one of my favorite parts of the game. I think I just tweeted out with your level of sarcasm. I think more people should drive at Rudy Gobert until he proves he can block shots. I've seen that. I got about 50 likes. People enjoyed that. A lot of people were thinking that watching the game. Exactly well, what you said a week ago. we watch it every time ago. and we see it and we yeah. talk about it. Yeah. And, and I can't remember which player it was, but it was, it was when they were... Detlef uh, Shrimp. <laughs> when they were shooting in front of the... Uh, the uh, the Pacers were shooting in front of their own bench. Somebody took him and gave him a little hip check and got him underneath the rim and then reached out. It was great. It's like you got to push him under the rim, take it away, and reach out to flick it up. And Rudy just reached out and swatted it away anyway. It was like that was all the textbook stuff you get taught, and it still didn't work. Right. But the Jazz are you, know, you can see they're coached up. They're staying pretty disciplined. It's like don't help when someone drives. Because if you double, there's going to be a three-point shooter open, and that person's looking for it. So they stay home, take away the three-point shooters, and the other team's in trouble. I think that's the way the game has changed. That's why you saw enormous block numbers in Mark Eaton's day that you don't see now. They don't do it. Yeah. You can only block it if they shoot it. Yeah. Uh, Question of the day. Jazz roll over the Pacers, who are going back-to-back. Indiana fatigue, or the Jazz just that good? And Sergeant Jazz says, it can be both. We got a lot of people who said it was both. The Jazz played great, and then the Pacers fell apart. Yeah, but they were down early double digits. Yep. I think it's more about the Jazz. The Jazz now have done this consistently. I'm not expecting it to happen all the time. I think we're overrating Indiana. They're sixth in the East. Let's not act like they're a team that is all that. Now, they get Old Depot coming back, so maybe that could change. He hasn't played in almost a year. So, he was a very good player. Uh, But I don't want to downgrade them because it was a nice win. Uh, But I think it's more about the Jazz just being all that. At home, being rested, everything was set up, and they just... Beat the snot out of them. They provided a lot of answers now. I threw a poll question up. Which Jazz player impressed you the most in that game? 44% for Conley because he came out, hit shots, looked comfortable. Uh, Bradley got 12% of the vote, and I think that's something to watch going forward. You asked Ben Anderson about that when we had him on. Um, Is he good enough, or are they going to have to upgrade that position? I mean, they want to go deep in the playoffs, and in the playoffs, people are going to look, where do we have an advantage? Where are we really strong, or where are you weak? They're going to test him. Agreed. How, how good will he be in those situations? I thought he was pretty good against the Pacers. There'll be more tests to come, and people will be more prepped in the postseason than the regular season. But he's had too many stretches where Quinn Snyder's felt like he's had to sub Rudy back in after one or two minutes. Well, they get to the hoop where he racks up fouls. Right. These next 40 games are big for him. Yes. All right, we will leave it right there for today, and we'll be back here tomorrow, 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.